So we're journeying with Jesus. We started in Bethlehem. The wise men and thinking about the kings and thinking about King Jesus. We visited the River Jordan last time and uh, were baptised with Jesus. Where do we go from here? Where do we go now with Jesus? Well, this week we go into the wilderness and considering the power of Scripture. This can be found in three Gospels, in Matthew, Mark and Luke. And although they differ quite a bit in their detail, it is obviously the same story. The order of events particularly is transposed in Luke's account. In Luke's account, it concludes at Jerusalem. The thinking being that perhaps Luke was trying to point to the time when Jesus would complete his time here on earth. Also from Luke's account, it appears that Jesus was being tempted for the entire 40 days. If so, then the temptations recorded in the Gospel, probably only summaries. Our reading this evening is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, and we are looking at this from Luke's Gospel this evening. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, He was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So, if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says... Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. In Matthew and Mark's account, 
The wilderness experience follows directly on from Jesus' baptism. And Mark, using his usual words, he often used immediately. But he says, at once, Jesus was led into the wilderness. In ours, chapter uh, uh, chapter 3 ends with the words from God, This is my son, whom I love, and am well pleased. Luke doesn't follow on directly from the Jordan experience. He inserts the genealogy of Jesus at this point, before going on to the wilderness experience. This actually fits perfectly. The genealogy concluded with a reference to Adam, the son of God, which recalls for the reader the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The second son of God must succeed where the first son of God failed. If he's going to make right what went wrong with Adam, Jesus must pass the tests which Adam failed. And once Jesus had passed the temptation and stood against the tempter, he was able to begin his mission. His mission of reversing what went wrong with Adam. So this period of temptation is a bit like an entrance exam, beginning his ministry. The temptations were brought to him by the devil, just as the devil, through the servant, serpent, caused Adam and Eve to fall into sin in the Garden of Eden. So the devil is now trying to stop God's plan of redemption in Jesus by getting Jesus to sin. It's also been seen that the devil only has one tactic in these No matter what the temptation was, the devil was actually trying to raise doubt about the word of God. We often focus on the temptations when we read this passage, but actually it's all about the word of God. The devil knows the scriptures, but he twists the word of God by making subtle changes to it, such as adding to it, subtracting from it, quoting verses out of context, misquoting. Super that we've got a new banner up here in church. It's great to to see a nice new banner. Some of us can go back to when the first banners were made here in the church. Our minister then was adamant that if there was any wording put on a banner, it had to be a direct quote from Scripture. No paraphrase, no quick comment. It had to be a direct quote from Scripture. So the first temptation plays on Jesus' hunger, which after 40 days was rather a pressing need. Tell this stone to become bread, the devil says. In the desert, in the wilderness, 
it was actually covered with lots of small stones. And lots of the stones were about the size of bread rolls or small loaves of bread. And therefore, it, they looked very much like bread as the sun glistened on them. So he was just looking at one of these. And when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he begins by recognising who Jesus is. If, or since, it says in some versions, if you are the Son of God. He's not challenging the identity of Jesus, but basing the temptation on his identity. So the devil is saying, since you are the Son of God, you've got certain rights and privileges. He's simply tempting Jesus to misuse his power and feed himself in the wilderness. Sometimes what we're tempted to do isn't actually wrong. It's the motive for doing it, which is the sin. Jesus replies using words of scripture from Deuteronomy, and you'll pick that up in your groups a bit later. In fact, Jesus uses words from Deuteronomy in all his answers. Deuteronomy means the second law. The book of restatement of the divine law given by Moses. It's a law which is given for man and woman to live by. The devil recognises that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And seeing now that Jesus wants to follow the promise of God, he takes Jesus up on a high mountain. And in the Bible, high mountains or mountaintops are, are, are related to being close to God. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, probably all the known kingdoms of the world at that time. Now that Jesus has seen the kingdoms, the devil offers them to Jesus, and specifically the authority and glory that comes with them. And in the place where Jesus had nothing, he is about offering Jesus everything. Therefore, the devil says to Jesus, if you worship me, it will all be yours. The one condition for Jesus was that he had to worship the devil. The devil knows that unless he can get Jesus to kneel before him, the day will arrive when he must kneel before Jesus. Philippians reminds us that every knee will bow. So the offer by the devil is a shortcut to the plan of God. And Jesus knows this is not the way. And Jesus quotes once again from Deuteronomy, this time from 6.13. Moses instructs the people that when they get to the promised land and gain the authority and glory that has been promised to them, they must not forget God by worshipping or bowing the knee to false gods. Instead, they must continue to worship the Lord your God And him only shall you serve. In the third temptation, the devil tries to get Jesus to proclaim himself as the Messiah in a miraculous fashion. He brought Jesus to to Jerusalem, and not just to Jerusalem, but to the pinnacle of the temple. The highest point of the temple was probably the southeast corner. He would have been about 450 feet above the bottom of the cliff and would be able to see over all Jerusalem and all the people that were milling around in the temple. It seems that there may have actually been steps up to this and maybe a platform to stand on. 
because this area was actually used sometimes for somebody to stand on and speak out. From here, the devil tempts Jesus to throw himself down. The devil isn't actually trying to get Jesus to commit suicide, but to perform a miracle in the sight of all the worshippers below. In the previous two temptations, Jesus had used scripture quoted to defeat the temptations of the devil. With this third one, the devil uses what is written. Scriptures. In Psalm 91, 11 to 12, he used that to tempt Jesus. And this was a good text for the devil to use against Jesus, since it was traditionally thought that Psalm 91 provided promises of God, from God, for protection against demons and evil spirits. So to support this suggestion, he suggests that Jesus throws himself from the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil quotes scripture again. Says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This means that God will send angels to protect Jesus. The devil continues to quote Psalm 91. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. See, the devil is trying to show that Jesus, if he casts himself from the temple, God will have angels to catch him before he hits the ground. According to the devil, Jesus is just to let go and let God sort it out. The devil, however, misquoted the text and in so doing so twisted its means to what it didn't actually say. When properly read in context, context and applied to Jesus' situation, the text reveals that the angels are not there to keep Jesus from committing suicide, but to help him walk in the ways of God, in the way God has laid out for him. The devil twisted scripture to try to get Jesus to perform an amazing demonstration of power before the multitudes of people, to perform this miracle in the temple. If he had done so, it would have helped Jesus immediately be recognised as the Messiah. Jesus again responds with scripture. He doesn't challenge or question the devil on his misuse of scripture, but simply quotes a verse used properly and in context from Deuteronomy again. Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. Satan's tempted Jesus to test God by saying, if he's really there, if he really loves you, he will protect you. Well, Jesus overcame every temptation brought against him. And we read at the end, I think it's quite a sort of, it's all over. When the devil had finished all the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Well, what might that be? Well, we read many times during the New Testament, during Jesus' life on earth, that he was tempted, sometimes by his family, trying to get him to do things. Obviously through Judas, and also through Peter. Well, Jesus was victorious over all temptations. And having conquered all, he's now ready to move on the journey to begin his ministry. His defeat of temptation has shown how he will approach his ministry. He will steadfastly pursue God's call in obedience to God's will through God's word. He will not use his power and position to serve himself, but 
to meet the needs of those round about him. Well, we can learn from the way Jesus dealt with this situation. We're not in the same powerful position as Jesus, but we can be in danger of drawing people to ourselves, to our church, rather than to Jesus, through the correct use of Scripture.